The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The human mind, body, emotions, and spirit are more powerful than anyone can imagine, and we can learn to use them in new and powerful ways to create the life we've always dreamed of. On our program today, with your host, Dr. Irene Conlon, we'll address who you are, how to come to know what you believe and why, how to accept and love yourself, and how you can make changes that help you create the empowered, happy, successful life you want. Now, here's your host, Dr. Irene Conlon. Welcome to the Self-Improvement Show. This is Irene Conlon. We're broadcasting from Scottsdale, Arizona, and I am so delighted to welcome you uh, today because we have something incredibly special lined up for you. As I always say, go to the Self-Improvement blog, read about our today's guest, see his picture, look at the the videos in the right sidebar. You'll be very glad you did, and you might want to call a couple of your friends to tell them to do the same. And one of the things we talk about a lot on the Self-Improvement blog and on this show is meditation. Almost every guest I have recommends it in one form or the other. And there are many ways to go about meditating, but we've never had a whole show on it. It's such an important topic. I wanted it to be very special and very personal. We have that today, and my expert comes from quite an unexpected source, ABC News. Yep, really. Mindfulness meditation has been around for something like 2,500 years and has been well made well-known in this country by John Kabat-Zinn. He has a, a number of really great videos and some books, but now it's made even better known by Dan Harris of ABC News. In fact, on Friday, he had a special segment with Dr. Jennifer Ashton on meditation and how it's becoming popular among teens across the country. If you have teens or you have a friend or relative with teens, I really urge you to go to ABC and watch that segment. It's very, very good. Dan Harris is co-author of ABC News Nightline and also co-anchor of the weekend edition of Good Morning America. He regularly contributes stories on ABC for such shows as 2020, World News with Diane Sawyer, now with David Muir, and GMA. Harris has reported from all over the planet, covering wars in Afghanistan, Israel, Palestine, and Iraq, and has produced investigative reports in Haiti, Cambodia, and the Congo. He's been at ABC News for 13 years and is the recipient of Murrow and Emmy Awards for his reporting. He grew up outside of Boston and currently lives with his wife, Bianca, in New York City. He's the author of 10% Happier, How I Tamed the Voice in My Head, Reduced Stress Without Losing My Edge, and Found Self-Help That Actually Works, A True Story. That's a big title. 
It has just been released in paperback, and I encourage you to run, not walk to your computer or bookstore to get it. He's also He also has a new and preeminent title, and that is the title of Dad to Alexander Robert Harris, who's only a few weeks old. And it's my absolute pleasure to say, Dan Harris, welcome to the Self-Improvement Show. Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. Oh, we're just, we're just overjoyed, especially to talk about meditation with someone who came into it so reluctantly. I mean, that's, that is so rich for me. And I, I can't wait to have you share it with my listeners. But let's start at the beginning. Tell us about yourself. We know your public persona, but who is Dan Harris? You know, I maybe I'm maybe I'm deluding myself here, but I, I don't think there's a huge difference between uh, my public persona and my private persona. Uh, my wife would would probably tell you that I'm a lot. <laughs> earlier uh, in private, uh, but I'm, but the, the, the older I get, the more relaxed I get in my own skin. I think the sillier I am on, on television too. Um, I, so who am I? I'm a reporter for ABC News. Um, I'm, I am, as you said earlier, uh, a dad, uh, which is probably my job title number one right now. My, my baby uh, son is three weeks old, so I'm still getting used to that title. Um, and, uh, I am also to my vast surprise now one of the more public, uh, proponents for meditation in American society, which, uh, never, uh, failed to amaze me. Now you kind of came in through the side door and we're delighted that you did because your voice is needed. Um, you're in one of the most stressful professions I can imagine. And that makes what you have to say much more powerful. What was your life like before you learned to meditate? Well, uh, my life was great by many, many measures uh, because uh, I had an amazing job. Uh, I um, Even before I started to meditate, I... I I was uh, engaged to be married to the woman to whom I am married now, Bianca. So, uh, and she, as I like to say, she made me a hundred percent happier before I got ten percent happier. Um, <laughs> you know, and, and I, I was lucky enough to be born to very loving parents uh, who, you know, raised me, and and a lot of, you know, I had a, a lot of luxuries like uh, really great education and healthcare and things like that. So, I, I don't want to take this that my life was miserable before I got started meditating. But, you know, there was a lot of chaos and I would say emotional reactivity and unnecessary stress in my life, uh, which I think uh, a lot of people can relate to. Um, in particular, I had a, a pretty outsized incident that involved um, me being a young reporter coming to ABC News when I was 28 years old. Uh, so, um many, many years ago, because I'm 43 now, um, 15 years ago, and I got to ABC, and uh, I was working with these giants in the industry, like Peter Jennings and Diane Sawyer and Barbara Walters, and I was very insecure, 
about being so green. And one of my ways of compensating for that was to become a workaholic. And after 9-11 happened um, in 2001, I, uh, I volunteered to go overseas to, to cover whatever happened next. And um, I spent many years in places like Pakistan and, and Israel and Palestine and Iraq and Afghanistan. And when I got home from a particularly long stretch in Iraq um, in 2003, I got depressed and made a very, very dumb decision, which was I, I, I self-medicated with recreational drugs, including cocaine and ecstasy. And that produced... Uh, a, I later learned it was largely responsible for a panic attack that I had on live television in 2004 on Good Morning America in front of 5 million people. And um, that after I had that panic attack, that kind of set me off on the journey for a meditation. I totally understand that because I have this fear of dead air. I can't imagine what it's like to be in front of a TV camera and have a meltdown. So I, I totally sympathize and understand where you're coming from. So how did that get you to meditation? In a, in a very weird and windy way. Um, you know, it's not one of these clean, tidy stories mm. where I had the panic attack and then, and then quit doing drugs, found meditation, and then all of a sudden my life was a uh, you know, nonstop parade of unicorns and rainbows. Yeah, it doesn't uh, work uh, that way. None of no, us get... Doesn't. Well, a couple people talk about wonderful experiences that totally changed their lives, but that's not what most of us have. Yeah, I'm skeptical of that. But um, yeah, me too. Me too. I really related to many things you said. Anyway. In any event, so 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 I I uh, so to answer your question, uh, what what happened was that uh, Peter Jennings, who was my boss. Uh, told me that he wanted me to cover faith and spirituality for ABC News. I'm laughing and you said, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, 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 I said, no, thank you. Um, and he, he didn't, I tried to explain to him, you know, I was raised in, in um, uh, the People's Republic of Massachusetts, uh, and my parents are scientists and atheists and uh, uh, I, as I sometimes joke, I, I did have a bar mitzvah, but only for the money. Uh, so I, this was really faith and spirituality was not really in my background. And I was, I was actually kind of disdainful of the topic and, um, Peter didn't care. He said I was going to do it anyway. And through covering faith and spirituality, uh, which by the way, turned out to be a great thing for me. I, I, um, you know, I met a lot of people and learned, uh, learned an enormous amount and really realized how ignorant I was, um, through covering that, I uh, um, ended up coming into contact with first self-help, uh, including this guy Eckhart Tolle, who I'm sure a lot of your listeners would be um, familiar with, uh, who I found interesting but but confusing uh, and frustrating. And then after uh, hashing around a little bit, I ended up on meditation. You said, and I, I love this, you said folk, when you were first learning meditation and trying to focus on the breath and get your mind to slow down, um, and I know people who have the same mind racing that you do and or did, and mine does that as well. It's really hard for me to meditate after all this time. But you say, focusing on the breath as a temporary way to stop thinking was like using a broom to sweep a floor crawling with cockroaches. 
You could clear the space briefly, but then the bugs came crawling back. You know, with that feeling and, and that difficulty, why did you stick with it? What made you stay? Well, uh, if you go to the gym and it's easy, you're cheating. Uh, yeah. And you should think of meditation the same way. Uh, you know, the, 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 the analogy to physical exercise is imperfect but good enough for the purpose of this discussion. Uh, and... You know, uh, it, it, if it was easy, uh, if it's easy for you, then you're either enlightened or dead. Um, it, it's a counterintuitive uh, process that runs against the habits of a lifetime, and you should just bake into your expectations that it's going to be hard. And the same thing when you go to the gym. Uh, this is exercise for your brain. And, um, you know, there are lots of misconceptions that people have. One is that they should be floating off into some sort of easeful cosmic ooze or something like that. And generally speaking, that's not going to happen. Maybe once in a while, you you know, something clicks and you have a really wonderful, easeful uh, meditation session. But most of the time, it's just a process of trying to focus, getting lost and starting over and getting lost and starting over and getting lost and starting over. And the other, you know, uh, misconception that people have is that the meditation is somehow the process of clearing the mind, which is my least favorite phrase in the English language, because it's impossible to do. Nobody can clear the mind. Uh, what you are doing in meditation is instead focusing the mind for nanoseconds at a time and then getting lost and starting over. It's a process of getting lost and starting over repeatedly. And every time you do that, every time you try to focus on one thing, usually in, in the type of meditation I do, your breath, and get lost, every time you... Get, you know, find yourself lost and start over. You're doing, that's like a bicep curl for your brain. And, and the results show up on brain scans. Uh, you are effectively rewiring your brain. So I, I can't, I can't stress strongly enough. If I could leave your listeners with only one thing today, it is that failure is not an option. Uh, the only way you can fail at meditation is if you sit down and affirmatively decide you are going to think about lunch. Um, then fine, then that is a failure. But if you are sitting there trying to focus and getting lost a million times, you are succeeding. On that note, we're going to go to break. And when we come back, we're going to talk more about mindfulness and meditation with Dan Harris. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. You have the power within to achieve anything, be it wealth, balance in your life, getting over your fears and roadblocks, and creating a positive impact on the world. Let Darby Mack show you how on the powerful, passionate, prosperous woman show. Darby will bring you the tools and tips that you need to make it all happen with engaging guests and topics that will help you make your dreams come true. The powerful, passionate, prosperous woman show is heard live every Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time on Voice America Empowerment. For 27 years, KidStar has empowered thousands of kids across the country. And now we have the opportunity to empower children around the world. KidStar is announcing a new radio show called Voyage Earth. Voyage Earth will empower kids from across the world. KidStar has created a Kickstarter campaign just for this new undertaking. By pledging to Kickstarter, 
You pledge for a future of empowered people to come. My name is Lindsay Marie from Bookworms. I want to thank you for being a backer of our Kickstarter. Kickstarter, we empower kids. It's time to access your magic. Tune in each week to Living in the Magic of Possibilities with your host, Glenice Hughes. Our topics cover finances, personal health, business, relationships, mediumship, and so much more. If you want to access all that is possible in your life, listen to Glenice and her expert guests who've turned the impossible into the possible. Living in the Magic of Possibilities is heard live every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Live up to your full potential. You've heard that for years, but now there's a channel to help you get there. Introducing the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Get motivated. Hear about success stories and positive encouragement. The Voice America Empowerment Channel is the home of the world's top life coaches, entrepreneurs, and success experts. Listen to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. You are tuned in to The Self-Improvement Show with your host, Dr. Irene Conlon. Got a question for Irene or her guests? Call into our live show at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Connect with Irene via email. Our address is theselfimprovementblog at gmail.com. Now, let's get back to The Self-Improvement Show. Here again is Dr. Irene Conlon. Welcome back to The Self-Improvement Show. My guest today is Dan Harris with ABC News. Uh, we're talking about meditation, and the kind of meditation Dan practices is called mindfulness meditation. Uh, Dan, give us a little thumbnail of what mindfulness meditation is. So, uh, you know, perhaps the easiest thing to do is for me to just basically tell you how to do it. Which Okay, takes, that, that works. This uh, just takes a few seconds. In fact, the technology reporter for the New York Times had me teach him how to meditate in fewer letters than it takes to send a tweet. Uh, I'll give you the slightly longer version. There are only three steps. The first step is to sit with your back straight and your eyes closed. I say having your back. I say you should have your back straight, not because you, this position of your spine is super important, but only because it decreases the odds that you'll fall asleep. Um, the second step is to focus your full attention on the feeling of your breath coming in and going out. Uh, pick one spot wherever the breath is most prominent. Usually that's your nose or your chest or your belly. The third step is the biggie. As soon as you try to focus your full attention on the feeling of your breath, your mind is going to go nuts. You're going to start thinking about um, what am I going to have for breakfast tomorrow morning? Why did I say that dumb thing to my boss? Why did Dances with Wolves beat Goodfellas for Best Picture in 1991? Why do celebrities only marry other celebrities? Whatever. You're just, your mind's going to go crazy, and that is fine. That is, the whole, that is the nature of the mind. The whole game is to notice when you've gotten lost and just to start over and over and over again and again and again, and that's the whole process. And that, that kind of quote-unquote failing is actually succeeding. 
And it's hard for people to understand that when they start because all of us want to be like some super saint or something and it, it just doesn't happen. How long was it before you began to notice some change and what change did you notice in the beginning, you know, the first changes? And just well, I want to amplify. I'm going to answer that question, but I just want to amplify the point you made. Okay. You're absolutely right that it is so hard for us to accept. We're, most of us are type A people. We, you know, we're, we, we want success. And here we are doing this thing where, you know, failure is guaranteed. It is like failure is part of the success. It's hard to wrap your mind around. And yeah. it's even frustrating for me now. I've been doing it for five years, which frankly isn't that long, but I've been doing it for five years every day. And um, I still find myself uh, engaged in spirals of self-laceration and judgment and criticism for the fact that I'm a terrible meditator. And well, you know, if you read you know, a, the books like Autobiography of a Yogi, and, and they're in such bliss and they do all these things, you want your meditation to be like that. And it just isn't. Yeah. You know, I think what, I, I, I read a lot of books about meditation uh, by advanced meditators. And I think it's a really good thing to do because it's inspiring. But there's a way in which in my own personal meditation has a, a teacher has, has agreed with this. There's a way in which for those of us who are mere mortals, reading all these books can be counterproductive because you start comparing yourself to these people who live their lives in a cave. And that's all they do. So that's like, you know, reading an, uh, a book about Michael Jordan and comparing your, you know, backyard basketball skills to his. It's just not realistic. Um, the mere mortals like us, we're only going to be doing it a few minutes a day. And, and we can't expect to drop into um, unqualified bliss every time we sit. It's just not the way it works. But to, but to get to the other question you asked me, which is how long did it take before I started to see benefits? Because I think that's a great question, and I think that's what a lot of your listeners really want to know, what's in it for me here. Well, yeah, uh, there, exactly. There's a, there's a lot in it for you, and it, and you don't have to wait a long time. Uh, because uh, setting aside the fact that you're, you may not drop into um, uh, unremitting Brit, uh, uh, bliss for 20 years at a time, there are three major benefits that I started to feel after a couple of weeks and I, and I see other people uh, getting these benefits very quickly uh, when they start to meditate. One is focus. The, the act of repeatedly getting lost and then hauling your attention back to the breath over and over and over again for, for a couple of minutes a day is a, a, a wonderful corrective to this big problem we have in our culture, which is that our attention is fractured by the proliferation of digital devices where we're constantly being bombarded by tweets and email and text, et cetera, et cetera. So I found that in my job where focus is really hard and I have to, you know, I have to focus uh, and get my story correct uh, you know, and accurate in a short period of time, often with other people's voices piped into my head directly while I'm on the air, it really made a big difference to me in order to be more effective and focused. The second benefit is that taking myself out of the traffic for a couple of minutes a day and just focusing on my breath and instead of, you know, plotting and planning and scheming and all that stuff, just infused my day with a, a, an extra low layer of calm, which I found just nice. And then the third benefit is the big one, and it's this word mindfulness. Uh, mindfulness has become something of, of a buzz phrase. Uh, it's a very rich phrase with lots of meanings, uh, but let me give you one simple serviceable definition. 
Mindfulness is the ability to see what's going on in your head right now without getting carried away by it. I'm just going to say this twice because it's so important and it's a game-changing proposition. Mindfulness is the ability to know what's happening in your head at any given moment without necessarily taking the bait and acting on it. So let me just give you an example. You're driving down the road and somebody cuts you off in traffic. Generally speaking, what happens? For most of us, what happens is we have a thought, which is, I'm pissed. And then what happens next? We reflectively, habitually, automatically inhabit that thought. We actually become pissed. There's no buffer. There's no buffer between the stimulus and our reaction to it. How Now, imagine if you've been meditating for a couple of weeks and you're driving down the road and somebody cuts you off. Maybe with a little bit of mindfulness on board, you might be able to notice, oh, my chest is buzzing. My ears are turning red. I'm having a starburst of self-righteous thoughts. I'm getting angry, but I don't need to necessarily take the bait and act on it and chase this person down the road screaming at the top of my lungs with my children in the backseat. That is a game changer. That can make you the calmest person in the room in a heated meeting at work. That can stop you from checking your email in the middle of a conversation with your children. That can stop you from following the urge to have the 18th cookie. Uh, and in my experience, mindfulness has been a massive value add. I think it could be for anybody who thinks a massive value add. Yeah. <laughs> Which is all of us. Which is hopefully all of us, yes. Um, you make some very interesting statements. You, this one I love. Please, re, you know, just comment on it. Thinking without awareness can be a harsh master. Yes. So we all have a voice in our heads, by which I'm not referring to schizophrenia or hearing voices. No. I'm talking about your, your, I'm talking about your inner narrator, which, you know, the voice that chases you out, in the be- out of bed in the morning and is yammering at you all day long and has you constantly wanting stuff or not wanting stuff or judging other yeah. people. And yeah, the judge, the critic, the, you know, all yeah, of those. Constantly, constantly thinking about the past. Uh, or thinking about the future to the detriment of whatever's happening right now. Um, uh, my friend Sam Harris, who, uh, who also wrote a book about meditation recently, uh, says that when he thinks about the voice in his head, um, he feels like he's been hijacked by the most boring person alive who just says the same stuff over and over and over again, most of it negative, uh, all of it self-referential. And uh, so... So this voice, if you are unaware of this voice, it it, it yanks you around. It's, it's a puppeteer, a malevolent puppeteer often. And uh, what mindfulness does is allow you to step back and see that the voice exists and and then to give you the wherewithal to resist some of the terrible suggestions. And uh, that's what I meant by the statement you read. Uh, it's a very... It's an interesting and very powerful statement when we realize what it means. Now, thinking without awareness is what most of us do much of the time. Um, you know, the, the, the John Kabat-Zinn uh, has argued that has argued to me that you know we, we as a species are classified as Homo sapiens sapiens, the man who thinks and knows he thinks. But that second sapien has been atrophied with time because nobody points out to us that we have this bonus level in our brain, which is mindfulness. And, uh, and so this, this, that's the awareness 
without which thinking is the harsh master. But, you know, when, we, when you think about what we do from the time our children are born, and, and you're going to be introduced to this probably soon, you know, we stick them in front of the TV and they watch Sesame Street, which has incredibly short attention span required. Uh, and they go from there and now they have all these devices that we've never had before. And who knows what they're going to have in five more years you know, to, to distract themselves from getting to know who they are and to distract themselves from doing their own thinking. And we have so many influences telling us what we should think and what we should do and how we should look and all of those things that I don't know that there's ever been a time when meditation was so needed and, and being aware. I certainly agree that meditation is very useful right now, given that we live in, in an era that's been described as the info blitzkrieg, uh, and we are just pulled in so many directions by this technology, which, you know, I'm not a Luddite. I'm, I'm pro-technology. I, I, oh, I, me I too. Personally own, <laughs> I personally own three iPhones so uh, and, and two iPads, so I'm, I'm not, uh, I have no beef, but it's the way in which we use them or misuse them without, you know, without really thinking holistically about integrating them into our lives uh, without letting them run up. And uh, so I think meditation is super useful in that context, especially for young people, because they are the quote-unquote digital natives. They've grown up in this environment. They've never known anything different. Their nose is, into the, is in their computer or in their phone or in their tablet all the time. And that is why, you know, you mentioned earlier this segment we did uh, on Friday with uh, – with Dr. Jennifer Ashton on Good Morning America, that's why it's so great to see that teens across America are now being taught how to meditate uh, in after-school programs and in high school. I think it's one of the most refreshing, healthy things I've seen. And on that note, we're going to go to break. We'll be right back with Dan Harris and more, so stay tuned. We're on Facebook along with some of the greatest minds of the world, and that includes you. Visit us on Facebook at Voice America Empowerment. Where can you listen to some of the world's top life coaches ready to dish out success tips and entrepreneurial guidance? The Voice America Empowerment Channel will do just that. Whether it's personal growth, building a better business, or inspirational life stories, make it a daily habit to tune into our programs. From weight loss and personal branding to law of attraction and increased happiness, you'll find it every day at VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. When you make decisions, do you ever find yourself in doubt? Are you trying to figure out what's right with you? Are you ready to truly change your life? Listen for the Access Consciousness Radio Show with the founders of Access Consciousness, Gary Douglas and Dr. Dane Here. Consciousness is all about including everything and judging nothing. Our program will help you break free from your personal limitations and enhance positive change in all areas of your life. Tune in to Access Consciousness, Thursdays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. Become a member of VoiceAmerica.com. It's easy and best of all, it's free. Start out by going to our homepage or any of our channels and click register at the top. Once you've created an account and signed in, you can create your own custom library, opt into our newsletter. 
Search by show, host, guest, or topic of interest. Or browse millions of hours of content across all of our Voice America radio channels. Membership gets you more. Visit voiceamerica.com today to get started and tailor the listening experience to your taste. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Success starts here. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. It's your world. You are tuned in to The Self-Improvement Show with your host, Dr. Irene Conlon. Got a question for Irene or her guests? Call into our live show at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Connect with Irene via email. Our address is theselfimprovementblog at gmail.com. Now, let's get back to The Self-Improvement Show. Here again is Dr. Irene Conlon. Welcome back to The Self-Improvement Show. My guest today is Dan Harris of ABC News. We're talking about meditation and his new book, um, 10% 10 Happier. We're going to talk about 10% and more in a little bit. But one of the things you did, Dan, that was so powerful was to attend a retreat on meditation. And you kind of went kicking and screaming. And, you know, the book talks about it uh, a lot. It's so rich. There's a couple of things I want to talk about in that. One of the things you learned there was walking meditation, and you you called it the Zen Death March. Talk a little bit about that. I loved it. I I referred to the whole retreat as a Zen Death March. Zen Death March. I I really didn't want to go. I was encouraged by uh, some... Some of my friends in the in the meditation community that that if I was serious about um, you know advancing my practice, it would be it would be a good idea. Um, and also, frankly, I was writing a book at that point, so I needed some copy. So I, I decided to do it. Uh, I wanted to before I go into it, and I will uh, fully. Uh, the one thing I just wanted to say is I, I sometimes hesitate to talk about the retreat for one reason, which is I don't want your listeners to think that in order to meditate, they need to go off on some crazy ten. Day silent meditation oh, retreat. You no. don't. You don't. Five minutes a day is enough. You can do five minutes in in perpetuity, and I think you can derive a lot of benefits of it. But having said all yeah. that, um, yeah. The, the, the reason retreat, I wanted to do that is because you make some statements that are very helpful in terms of the yeah, retreat oh, and in terms of meditation. Well, well, the, the, the retreats are a beautiful thing. For um, you know, as as cynical and as reluctant as I was going in. Uh, and actually throughout much of the thing, there there is a real value to to taking yourself out of society for 10 days and med- because incredible things can happen to your mind that you never thought were, you were capable of. The, the level of thinking can slow way down, and you can in some ways kind of drill into the present moment in a really powerful way that is, capable of producing levels of happiness that you never knew you were capable of. And, or it even uh, existed. That, yes, exactly. And and that is what happened for me. Now, it only happened it happened for like one thirty six hour stretch. 
the rest of it kind of sucked. Um, and it was really hard and uh, painful, physically painful and uh, annoying uh, uh, because I was around a lot of people who you know, I didn't have a lot in common with, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but I still, I, I've done it again. Uh, you know, I didn't, I, I didn't include it in my book, but I've gone on other retreats and I plan to do many more. And I'm a big, you know, supporter of and donor to retreat centers. I think they provide an, an enormously valuable role. Um, uh, but I will, uh, I say that while I will continue to also make fun of it just because it's a, a funny thing. Um, but, but I just want to emphasize again that, you know, meditation is for everybody, even those who don't want to go off and do a 10 day meditation retreat. Exactly. You said this, and I, I think this is such a powerful statement, uh, for life as well as just for meditation. You were talking about, the segment on loving kindness meditation. And you said, I promised myself to play full on. So I lie down and prepare to love hard. I can't think of a better way to say this is how life should be lived. As well as this is how you approach meditation. You want to respond to that? Yeah, sure. So uh, this is on day two or three of the meditation retreat. Uh, the, one of the teachers proposed that we do one session uh, of what's called loving kindness meditation, which struck me at the time as, you know, uh, irredeemable garbage. Uh, I thought it was <laughs> supremely annoying and, and useless. But I had told myself that on this retreat I was going to really do it, so I, I figured, all right, I'll just follow the instructions. So loving the kindness meditation which sounds dopey, and it's going to sound even more dopey when I explain to you how it works, it, it involves you sitting there and uh, envisioning or visualizing uh, a series of people and then systematically sending them good vibes, like may you be happy, may you be safe, may you be healthy, things like that. Uh, and, um, you know, I, I, I didn't react well to this. It felt like Valentine's Day with a machete to my throat. Um, <laughs> and I was unhappy with it. Um, but uh, as the retreat went on, uh, uh, I found it more and more meaningful. The more my uh, mind settled in and the sort of happier I got, I ended up having a very moving experience of feeling sort of unbridled compassion. And I, I, uh, I, the one thing I, I'll say about this is that there, there um you can think about compassion as a skill. You know, we, 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 I think, subconsciously assume that we are as nice as we're ever going to be. We were sort of born with factory settings, uh, and, and we're either a nice person or we're a not-so-nice person or we're just kind of nice or whatever. But, but ha compassion is a skill, and sitting there and trying to generate good feelings or feelings of goodwill for other people makes you better at being compassionate. And there is science to back this up. Science shows that people who do compassion meditation uh, get nicer, behave differently. In fact, one of my friend Richie Davidson, who's a neuroscientist at the University of Wisconsin, uh, taught a bunch of preschoolers um, compassion meditation, and the kids who had been taught compassion meditation were more likely to give their stickers away to strangers, which is a big deal when you're uh, a preschooler. Um, and uh, it's also been shown, compassion meditation has been shown to reduce the release of the stress hormone cortisol and have lots of other benefits. So I've come around on this loving-kindness meditation, and uh, I'm now a frequent practitioner myself. 
See, I think what makes your book so powerful is that you went into this kicking and screaming the whole way, and yet you gained so much, and now you're a real proponent of it, that those who who don't want to take a look at it because they're afraid it's religious or because it takes too much time or because whatever, uh, can look at what you did and say, wow, he didn't want to do it either, but you know, look, he's saying it's really rich, that it really helps. And that makes it all the more powerful to me that you did this. You didn't want to. That that was exactly what I was hoping to do. Well, I think you accomplished it very well. You did something else that was very meaningful to me because I've struggled with the Buddhist teaching on suffering. And you state, On retreat with nothing to look forward to, nowhere to be, nothing to do, we're forced to confront the wound of existence, which is, as I understand it, is how you describe Buddhist suffering, the wound of existence, head on, to stare into the abyss and realize that so much of what we do in life, every shift in our seat, every bite of food, every pleasant daydream is designed to avoid pain or seek pleasure. But if we can drop all that we can, learn how to be happy before any, if we can drop all that, we can, I can't read today, we can learn how to be happy before anything happens. This happiness is self-generated, not contingent on exogenous forces. It is the opposite of suffering. Now, why wouldn't everybody want that? I agree with you. I think everybody should want it. Um, you know, the, just to pick up on this Buddhist idea of suffering, it's a, it is a mistranslation, you know. Um, yes, I was delighted Buddha, to learn that. The Buddha, when the Buddha proclaimed, you know, his, his signature proclamation post-enlightenment was um, life is suffering, and a lot of people have interpreted that to mean uh, that, that Buddhism is like a really dour, uh, unfun uh, 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 way to go. But it, in his native tongue, he wasn't quite saying suffering the way we think of suffering, which is like having some, you know, being tied to the rocks and having somebody peck out our innards. Um, uh, it, he meant more like life is stressful and unsatisfying if you live it incorrectly. Um, at which, by which he meant, uh, in a universe that is characterized by impermanence and entropy, where nothing lasts and nothing is truly in our control, nothing is ever going to be fully satisfying. You can eat as much ice cream as you want, and you're never, it's not really going to do it for you. And uh, uh, that is just the truth. And uh, if you look at if you look at it through that lens, it's actually quite an empowering um, and interesting way to approach life. Uh, I thought it was very impactful. I had not heard it explained that way, and it was, so I've been a little resistant of other Buddhist teachings, although I really love most of them. You know, and I, I love their approach to meditation, but the suffering thing kind of got me. I really am grateful to you for clearing that up. Um, Thank you. I mean, look, there, there are no original thoughts in my book. I mean, literally zero. 
all I have done is just t- use my skill as a journalist, which is uh, to restate other people's ideas quickly and, and hopefully comprehensively. And so that, that is really all I'm trying to do because there's so much brilliance. Out, first of all, the Buddha was clearly brilliant. And then all of the subsequent, te- many of the subsequent teachers, including people who are alive today, are really, really brilliant too. But there's a way in which they talk about it sometimes in a way uh, that that, it, that can be off-putting or hard to understand for average people. And so what I was just trying to do is, in my small way, come in and, and restate it in a way that would be attractive to, I think, skeptical people um, who who would otherwise maybe reflexively reject it. Well, I think in our culture we haven't been exposed to these teachings enough. And for you to bring them down to where we are, really is so helpful. We've not grown up with the teachings from the East, and I really have come to appreciate them so much. Um, And I appreciate what you've done with them. And on this note, I hate to say it, but it's time to go to break. We'll be right back with more with Dan Harris. Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You need to live up to your full potential. You've heard that for years, but now there's a channel to help you get there. Introducing the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Our listeners have told us that they want to be motivated, hear about success stories, and positive encouragement around the clock. And we've responded to you. The Voice America Empowerment Channel is the home of the world's top life coaches, entrepreneurs, and success experts. Listen to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's here at VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. Think of the world 50 years ago. Now think of this same world and how it'll be 50 years from now. Did you know that if the world's population continues to grow at its current rate, our children and grandchildren will only have 25% of the resources per capita that our parents and grandparents had? We must preserve the foundation of a quality standard of living. That foundation starts with Go Green Radio. Join your host, Jill Buck, for Go Green Radio every Friday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Voice America. Now you can take your favorite Voice America radio program with you anywhere. Sign up for our mobile app if you have an iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. The Voice America interactive radio player, powered by Aircast, gives you the freedom to listen to any of our programs anywhere, live, and on demand. No registration is required. Listen to your favorite Voice America hosts and discover new ones. Download the Voice America mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry, powered by Aircast. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are tuned in to The Self-Improvement Show with your host, Dr. Irene Conlon. Got a question for Irene or her guests? Call into our live show at one 888 346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Connect with Irene via email. Our address is the self-improvement blog at gmail.com. Now, let's get back to the self-improvement show. Here again is Dr. Irene Conlon. 
Welcome back to the Self-Improvement Show. My guest today is Dan Harrison. We're talking about mindfulness meditation. Dan, you make the statement, mindfulness can change the world. Elaborate a little bit on that. What will it change the world from and to? Uh, I don't know that it's going to magically solve all of our problems. Obviously, you, you wouldn't expect some sort of grandiose prediction from a guy who wrote a book called only 10% happier. Um, but I do, think, I, 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 do, I do think it could make a real impact. First of all, let me say that I think it's probably the next big public health revolution. You know, in, in the 1940s, if, if, in the 1940s, if you told somebody you were going running, likely they would have said to you, who's chasing you? Um, and what happened was, uh, in the subsequent decade, um, the, the scientists came in and proved a whole panoply of uh, uh, health benefits for, uh, from physical exercise, and now we all exercise, and if we don't, we feel guilty about it. And I think that's where we're at with meditation. There's been just an explosion of research that shows it can do everything from lowering your blood pressure to boosting your immune system to rewiring key parts of your brain. It's now being adapted by, uh, adopted by corporate executives, elite athletes, rock stars, even the U.S. Marines. So I think that it's going to join the the panoply of no-brainers like brushing your teeth, getting enough sleep, eating healthfully, taking the meds your doctor prescribes to you. And that's where we're headed with this thing. And and unlike all those other um, public health revolutions, you know, dental hygiene and, and uh, physical fitness, this has a real behavioral component. And so I think if you get a good percentage of the society um, engaging in mental exercise and mental hygiene with some regularity, I think you will see a reduced reactivity overall in the society. Imagine what this can do for bullying in schools, domestic abuse, um, uh, sexual harassment in the workplace. It's not going to eradicate these problems, but it could have a real impact. Now I'm being uh, theoretical and hopeful, but I don't think I'm being unreasonable. I don't either, and I think we need to be a little much more hopeful and certainly sometimes theoretical. What we have not done in this show is a little commercial to ask you, where can people find your book? You know, how can they get it? You know, what else is coming down the pike from you? So, look, this is the area, this is the time where my publisher is going to want to strangle me. But, uh, you know, I, I, I love selling books. There's no question about it. I'm a capitalist. But it's more important to me that people start meditating than it is that they read my book. Um, so, yeah, but let me tell book. you something. In your book, you make it sound so real, so easy, so clear. I've read books and books and books about meditation. Yours is the clearest, most concise instruction I have read. People need to read it. Well, no I joke. appreciate that. So I appreciate that. Well, and, and so I'll to answer your question. You can get it anywhere. It's going to be in. Now that it's in paperback, it'll be in all the airports. Uh, I think in, a, in this week, and uh, it, you can get it on Amazon. It's in all the bookstores. So it's, they've, they've done a very good job of making it available everywhere. And also, if you go to my Facebook page, which is just facebook.com/slash Dan Harris ABC, there's a getting started tab on there. Um, that really spells out the instructions in a very simple way and also gives you lots of links to free guided meditations. Um, it helps you find a center in your area if you want to take a class. And if you don't have a, a center in your area, it helps you find some 
uh, other ways to find teachers if you want one. I also recommend lots of other books. So I, I just want this to be as cheap and as accessible and as simple as possible for as many people. Uh, and so those are the two things I would say. The name of the book, again, is 10% Happier. It's got a white cover with red print and black um, subheading, How I Tamed the Voice in My Head, Reduce Stress Without Losing My Edge. That's a big one right there. And Found Self-Help That Actually Works, A True Story, Dan Harris. All that is on the cover, but it's 10% happier uh, and um, you'll be 10% happier when you finish the book. Dan, if you had to calculate how much happier you are now than when the book came out, what would get just, you know, toss out a number. I know with the baby, it's got to be way up there, but from. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll say two things. One is that I've come to believe after the book's come out that, that 10%. Uh, compounds annually. Uh, that that you, that the more you meditate, the the happier you get. You know, there's a science. The scientists have this concept of the of the happiness set point. That no matter how many good things happen to you, uh, or no matter how many bad things happen to you, we tend to gravitate back toward a set point. In my experience with meditation, and I'm just making this up because there's no way to really quantify this, but it's just my experience that the the set point goes up. And and that is certainly the way I feel after five years of meditation. And then the other thing I'd say is you brought up my son. Uh, a friend of mine at work uh, who's a, a talented artist sent me, the day after my son was born, sent me a revised cover of my book, and it had a baby bottle on the cover of it, and it said 100% happier. Uh, and I think that is absolutely true. It is a mind-bending thing to be a father, especially after, you know, a long fertility struggle that my wife and I had, uh, it's been a fantastic thing. It's brought my wife and I together, and it's also extremely moving to bring a new person into the world and help them live a happy life. Oh, it's, I think you don't know what love is until you look at your first child. No, I think then it all gets very clear. Um, and there's a beautiful picture of you on the internet with your son on your chest. Uh, absolutely. Lovely, lovely picture. Um, I don't know anything more exciting or you know, more demanding than being a parent. And you're going to learn now how to meditate <laughs> in the middle of the night when somebody can't sleep. <laughs> yes, yes, indeed. I'm looking forward to it. I'm sure it's going to have an impact on my meditation practice, but I'm okay with that. It, it'll it'll make it much even much richer than it is now. We're right up to the end of the show. I'm so sorry to have to say that because I could talk to you quite a long time. What's the thought though that you'd like to leave with our listeners today, Dan? Give it a shot. That's my 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 final point. Give it a shot. Uh, you know, you may think that meditation is too hard for you. I hear that all the time. That's not true. If I can do it, you can. Uh, you may think that you don't have time for meditation. Also not true. I don't care if you've got 37 children and five part-time jobs. You have five minutes a day to meditate. Just set an alarm on your cell phone and, give, you know, let it rip in your bedroom or in your car after you've parked and you're waiting to go inside at the end of the day. Um and you may think that it's somehow going to make you soft, but the fact of the matter is 
some of the most successful people in our society, including the founders of Twitter uh, and uh, uh, rock stars and, and uh, our warriors uh, on the front lines, are doing this now because they know it makes them more effective and less yanked around by their emotions. So I would argue just give it a shot. Dan, thank you so, so much for being with us today. Um, very powerful words you shared with us. My pleasure. Thanks for having me on. This is Irene Conlon saying thank you from me and from Dan Harris for being with us today and come back again next week for more of the Self-Improvement Show. Thank you again for joining Dr. Irene Conlon for the Self-Improvement Show. Please listen again next Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Remember that improvement out there starts in here. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.